California then? I am. I'm in, I'm in West Hollywood. Oh, I just saw that Los Angeles, uh, I think they pushed the stay-at-home order to May 15th, I believe. So things are, yeah, things are spicing up. I mean, it's, yeah, I think it's going to be even longer, to be honest. It just doesn't seem like anyone's going to go back to work until probably after July. Wow. I don't know about staying in, but I, mean, I don't think I'll be able to hop onto another movie for a while. Yeah, I was curious really? how the industry has been affected, considering that all production is not going forward. Incredibly so. Yeah, I mean, it's like, sure, there's there's room and there's time for writers right now, and that's probably like a godsend to them. Mm -hmm. But everyone else, everything has to be completely shut down. I mean, there's nothing. There's no, like, maybe people are taking meetings through Skype and stuff. Right. I think I've seen a couple get circulated to some of my friends, but... Honestly, it's better that things are just quiet and people are taking their time to just really, you know, keep some distance. Yeah, it's a, it's scary. How how has this been for you? Tell tell me about your experience and all of this craziness. Like, when did you start taking it seriously? I mean, blah 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 blah. I guess, like, I mean, I would say I started taking it like middle of March, pretty mm -hmm. seriously. My boyfriend was in Cleveland at the time, and he was, like, four weeks in prepping a movie that was supposed to go for, like, 16 weeks. Oh, wow. You know? And they 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 told him, they're like, look, we're shutting down. And I was like, oh, shoot, Jeez. this is happening. So he was going to come, like, four following days later, mm -hmm. and then every day just started speeding up times five, and I'm like, wow, just get here tomorrow if you can, you know? <laughs> right. So, I mean, that's, I think, when it started, for me, honestly, and I think that that was, like, March 14th, 15th, and it's mm -hmm. been like that. I haven't seen anyone, really, except for him and my neighbors, that's all. That's crazy. What What have you been doing to spend your time? Honestly, I've just been taking it easy. I guess this is what I've wanted. I wanted to take a break between the last few films <laughs> that I did. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, we're reading a lot, we're cooking, we're learning to cook together, Ooh. and trying to exercise, but mostly just eating, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel that. What about you? I've, um, I've got a nice little routine going. I've been, I wake up most mornings, and I put on some classical music, do some yoga, do some meditation, try to write a little bit, and then, uh... Usually, like usually, I can tell if it's a work day or not. Like some days, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna do a project. I'll I'll get a I'll get a piece written or I'll edit something together. And then some days, it's like I'm just gonna watch movies. I'm gonna watch movies all day, <laughs> and that's yeah. what it's gonna be. What was what was what was the best movie that you've watched? Even if you rewatched something, what was your what's been your favorite that you've seen? Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to pull up my list because <laughs> I'm a yeah I'm on a 365 movies this year goal. And I was like, I, love it. I was way behind and now I'm like ahead. <laughs> so since, Good for you. since I've been home, I would say Solaris Tarkovsky really, really works right now. That was phenomenal. Wow. Um, yeah. Honestly, Rango with Johnny Depp. Have you seen that? <laughs> Rango with the lizard, right? Yeah. Yeah. Rango's a cute. brilliant it's movie. Fun. It's like yeah, it's really smart. It's been a while. Yeah. Really? It's it's 
it's like a good movie by all means. Like it's not even like oh it's good for a animated movie or good for a kids movie. Like it's just front to back, really really good. So that was that was really nice <laughs> to revisit since I was younger. I'd revisit that. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, let me see. I watched the Red Shoes for the first time, and loved that. I know the Red Shoes. It's from '48. It's a ballerina movie, and okay. it's like. It's crazy what they accomplish in 48. Like, there's a lot of wall breaking and, like, surprisingly, like, relationships between men and women are... I don't want to say they're done respectfully because it's, like, the the harsh man ballerina yeah. teacher. But, like, it, it's done a lot more respectfully than I anticipated it being since it was in 1948. So that was great. Um, okay. Yeah, those, those are some of the best, I, I would say. And then I watched uh, Snow White and Alice in Wonderland just to try to get some old Disney flavor back, and they're magnificent. Yeah. Absolutely magnificent. So. They're fantastic. I know, they're so brilliant. I started picking up into the Hitchcock world, and I, we did Lifeboat. Really? And we did... I know, Lifeboat's good. I haven't seen, seen Lifeboat. I haven't seen Lifeboat. I think you'd enjoy it. I was shocked it's all the entire film is shot on one lifeboat they never get off of it oh man i'm a sucker for those it's genius it's so Jack Nicholson in that? And Jack Nicholson, exactly, that's it. Yeah, that's I've life. heard of it. So phenomenal. So phenomenal. And then I watched The Burbs last night. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, that sounds like you've got a, ni- a nice little lineup there. I don't think, I haven't watched any Hitchcock since I've been home. I should throw something in there. Really? No, and I, I yeah. should watch a series too. If you haven't seen it, get in there. I watched the Planet Pardon? of the Apes series a couple weeks ago. Ooh. And that was the first, like, series yeah. I've watched in a while. And I forgot how good it is to, like, watch a movie series and anticipate what the next one's going to be. But, yeah, totally. Absolutely. But as soon, actually, as soon as I got, um, as soon as I got a- ahead of my, like, days, I took a break and I watched Kidding on Showtime with Jim Carrey. Have you seen that by any chance? Yeah, but I haven't seen the new season. Is it good? Oh, my word <laughs> i i watched i watched both seasons within at least it was probably four three days i would say like i'm just hooked i'm gonna add it to my list right now actually you That's should great. it's so good it eternal sunshine of the spotless the mind okay. yep oh yeah eternal is like it's an eternal movie of course yeah i love that and it, it's uh, it feels so much like it in kidding like you can tell it's the same director you can tell they have that same chemistry wow. Have you seen I'm Not Okay with This on Netflix? Uh, no, but I've seen the poster. Should I Should I watch? I mean, if you like it, it's I think it's Jonathan Entwistle who did um, 
who did The End of the Fucking World. I don't know if you watched that. I, did, I enjoyed that, yeah. I like that. Yeah, it's the same guy. It's the same director. Oh, cool. So it's got that, like, teen, supernaturally kind of angst mm-hmm. with great freaking music and cool. some weird cool. moments that are pregnant with space. You know, it's just kind of rad. So, All right. I mean, you might like it. Yeah, I'll definitely, I'll throw that on. I, I literally, like, every time someone suggested anything to me in the past month, I'm like, I, I can't say no. Like, what do I have to do? <laughs> <laughs> I can't be like, no, nah, I'll see if I can get you're to gonna, it. <laughs> it's like, I have to. I know. You're going <laughs> to get 450 movies this year, I think. You're going to hit a record. I, I do think I'm going to bust something. It's the first time I've ever, like, paid attention to watching movies, and it's really, really cool, because I can look at the list, and I, I put where I'm at when I watch them, whether it's the theater or my friend's house or whatever, and I can immediately remember where I was and how I experienced it. And that makes it way more right. rich, like, in a way that I didn't understand yeah. it could. But Agreed. Uh, more. just an hour ago, I watched Honey Boy. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of <laughs> Honey Boy before. Really? <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. Everything but the wardrobe... <laughs> It was pretty good. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's true. She's, no. She must, be a, she must be crazy, that girl. <laughs> yeah, this was my... <laughs> this was um the first time I've watched it since I saw it in theaters, actually. And that was back in, I think, mm. January. So it was really nice to revisit it. I had, a, I had a really decent amount of time between the two. So, you... How do you feel rewatching it? What did it, what um, did it feel like? I mean, I felt similar... What's, you know what's so funny is when I went and saw it in theaters, I was terribly sick. And I'm convinced that I had the virus at that point in time. Like, I had extreme respiratory failure. That was, like, when I went and saw the movie, that was the first time I left my apartment in, like, 10 days, I think. Like, everything lined up. And so it's funny that now I'm watching it because I'm just thinking about when I watched it, I was, like, miserable. And yeah. I just, I got to, I mean, it was nice looking for like your design. Like I specifically looked out for that. And so that was just a new experience because when I first saw it, um, I interviewed Lorraine who did the makeup. So that was on my mind the first time that I saw it. Nice. So this time yeah. I was thinking about that and I think I just appreciated Shia's like performance more. And I watched a lot of interviews about him talking about the film after seeing it for the first time and just having that perspective. It's it's just beautiful. It's just a beautiful piece of work. And it's very cathartic. So Yeah, it was really cathartic making it too, honestly, because Shia's mom was there every day, you know? She was there sitting at Video Village and crying and watching it and she's like wow. you know it's just and she said cathartic exactly she's like it just feels so cathartic to mm-hmm. see my son go through this and me go through this and see what it was through his eyes to right. understand you know how his upbringing was and it's like yeah we're all here with you we're all like mm-hmm. we we're all her security blanket not to mention she's a phenomenal woman mm-hmm. so it was it was really interesting to make it and every day was a new experience and a new challenge I mean, yeah. there was a lot behind it. That's what it feels like is like you can't make a movie like that unless you're you're just as much a part of it because just because of the like the the story that's being told like it's not like oh there's this story like the story's being told the the movie is a part of the story that's being told I feel like yeah. if that makes sense. So Yeah. So tell me about it. Tell me how did you get on the project and what happened? 
whatever whatever comes okay. to mind. Okay, well, let's see. I mean, I first, my agent told me about it, and mm-hmm. I was like, get out of here. It's <laughs> written by Shia. It's Alma Carell. Like, I need to chase after this. Right. It's the end. I was like, okay, we're just going to, I'm going to sell my soul. We're going to get this movie. Didn't need to, <laughs> thank God. Right. It's like things lined up, but I was like, I'm hungry for it. This is, and it doesn't, those kind of films don't come all that, that much. You know, like, I've been lucky enough to do the Anna Lily Amir poor movies and I'm obsessed with her of course and she's yes. my friend but like that's the, one of her movies would be like the kind of movie that I would chase mm-hmm. just who I am as I, uh, when I'm working so when I saw Honey Boy I was like oh my god I have to have it I had the same feeling with Ingrid Goes West too yeah, I need you, to have this movie so, yeah. yeah so I, I saw I mean like I made mood boards and I watched Alma's documentaries, and I, you know, I had actually grown up with Shia watching him on Ethan Stevens, so I knew him, obviously, very That's so well. so funny. Because he is my generation. Right. You know? So, I just revisited some things, and I made my visual a reality. I went to go meet her, and she sat very close to me, and it felt awkward, but also very, like, kind of nice. <laughs> I was like, the fact that she wanted to get this close to my face, I love it. It means that maybe this could be it. Right. And then she looks at me. She's like, are you ready to jump into the fire? I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mind my language. No, no, no. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, and she's like, you're in. I'm like, right now? And it was the first interview that we had. And wow. Like, yeah, this is yours. I'm like, cool. That's I'm amazing. <laughs> what does a mood board look like? Great. A mood board? Um, basically, okay, so we have our characters, we have Otis, we have, oh god, who are all the characters? We have, uh, our little Noah Jupe, young mm-hmm. Otis, mm-hmm. and then the father, James. And right. so, I basically, I read the script, and I develop characters for these people, depending on how the script sounds to me. So I basically do a visual board. Mm-hmm. So I do, like, different pages with different pictures and images that I've put together and splashed together and make a mood of it. And you can even, like, do settings and you can do... Like, a production designer would do a mood board for where they think that the movie is going to take place and how the production design is going to be. You right. know, what the colors are going to be for the director, all of that. Mm-hmm. So I do a mood board for the costumes and the clothing and for how the characters are supposed to feel. Mm. And I, yeah, and I came into the meeting with that, and you don't always need to, but I right. like to, because it's, I'm, I'm a visual person, and I think all directors are as well, and it's nice to let them see your language, because you're presenting your language and what you're going to bring on. Absolutely. So that's basically what I did. Yeah. So did you look at, like, the wardrobe of Shia when he was younger, and, like, Shia present day, or during the time that the events were told for inspiration? <laughs> I was the biggest stalker there ever was. <laughs> Honestly, I would, I just, it was, it was, a, it was an obsession. My assistant Coco and I would just get every single uh-huh. image and print it out and put it on the wall. And there's actually a really great picture of her and I standing behind this giant wall of Shia through the years of him. Okay, this is him, Ethan Stevens live. These are Transformers live. This is him when he was doing his like weird indie movies and then this is him <laughs> after rehab and all the fashion that would change uh-huh. through the years from Shia because I mean we got to see it all too like the in between with Lucas yeah. you know there were just so many different stages of his fashion and there's so many interesting things that he himself has actually brought on as fashion trends like yeah he's I, know, I follow like, a like the croc. <laughs> yeah I follow an account and it's just Shia outfits 
and I I'll see something oh, yeah. I'm like yeah I'll, I'll I'll rock something like that today I'm into that like for sure I know it's 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 wicked but he can also pull it off it's just yeah he just does it ridiculously interesting I know he just does it and so yeah we stalked we stalked heavy and <laughs> then we set up a meeting at his house with Lucas mm-hmm. to go through his wardrobe and try stuff on <laughs> I love that. What a dream come true. I know. It was so much fun after seeing all these like famous shirts that I've been stalking and like <laughs> pinpointing to my wall. I'm like, Lucas, try this on. Try this on. The I think, shirt. you know what's so shirt. funny? I think there's a story, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure I read a story about Kanye going over to Shia's house and like taking a bunch of pieces. And that that just came, that just yeah. came to my mind. That's so funny. <laughs> Wow. He told me that story. I was like, all really? right, we're kind of doing the same, but we're not Kanye. Sorry. <laughs> and I took so much of his clothes. And he was like, hey, can I have my stuff back? I'm like, when we wrap. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes. But in the meantime, you can have a bunch of stuff that we aren't going to use. So, so how much did he, and... how much did Lucas wear that was actually Shia's on screen? Uh, I would say, I mean, because a lot of his clothes have logos and stuff, you have to actually get it cleared through oh, yeah. the person who has made the art. And it's all vintage, so we didn't use too much of it, but we did try to mimic a lot of pieces. Right. His Nikes that he wore, mm-hmm. um, those were Shia's. The green corduroy jacket that he wears to rehab when he first walks in, oh, that yeah. was Shia's, personal. And the hats were mostly Shia's, because like, Shia even gave it to him before I had gotten on, just to make him feel, you know, just to right. make him feel like him. Pretty mm. rad, because they were really... They were really close, the two of them. I love that. I love that about them. Me too. What about the what about uh, his father? How did you go about that? How I went about his wardrobe and how we styled him. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually added him on Facebook. As weird as that might sound. Wow. <laughs> I know. We added him on Facebook. I wanted to see what he was like. I wanted to see. I mean, he, how do you recreate someone's life? Right. Who used to be a rodeo clown, but also used to, you know, be a badass and go to, like, heavy metal rock bands <laughs> and, you know, wear a POW vest and all of that. Like, he has a lot of edge to him, and that definitely seeps through Shia. So I was like, how do I find this person that isn't so overly colorful, like a rodeo clown, mm-hmm. but and isn't too much of, like, a badass who likes to smoke weed and drink and ride his motorcycle so how do you find a happy medium and we basically did like i got i got like seven racks for shia to play with and we went to his house and i brought a pair of overalls and some cool like work boots i wouldn't say like lug maybe like timberlands i think they were and we did a bandana because he was supposed to have a receding hairline and we wanted to hide that a bit and Mm -hmm. his father used to wear a lot of bandanas so it was all like puzzling in and I would ask Shia like give me like a memory what do you remember right. what, what was his color palette you know and I try to just pick his brain and and he would give me he would give me little peeks of it like for instance one thing that he remembered his father wearing was this Rugrats uh watch from Burger King at that time like in the 90s and wow. his dad would wear it all the time I'm like which one was it <laughs> and so I would ask him I'm like okay here's 17 of them which one was it and he pinpointed the one I was like cool getting it did you we're get it? it we're clearing it boom yeah we got it hell yeah I love that you can see it I know it's rad he even like came in one day he came into my trailer he's like hey my dad used to wear a wallet chain I'm like 
cool. I'm ordering it right now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, give me more. And it would pop into his head, and it was a really nice collaboration of puzzle pieces that would just, Mm -hmm. you know, work its way in. It was really, it was really beautiful that way. It wasn't, you know, it was a lot of research, a lot of talking, a lot of, like, trying to tap into old memories. And also, I would ask his mother. I would sit down and ask his mother. I had tea with her. She's such a sweetie, you know? Hmm. that's beautiful yeah. that's such an exciting because then you like now you're a part of it now you're a part of the whole thing you're not just telling the story like you're a part of the story i love that yeah i mean i i love that too i think that's i mean when i read it i was like yeah let's bring it to life i can't wait to mm-hmm. you know the seed is already in i can't wait to water it and give it some sunlight with everybody it's just you're creating something all together it's so be- such a beautiful every every film is it's such a beautiful thing to do as mm-hmm. I say it during quarantine, I'm like, I miss making movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's, it's such an interesting experience. And what about, uh, what about young George artists? Elders. Yeah. Oh, I'm obsessed with him, Noah Jupe. Yeah. I'm, cra- I'm just crazy about him. He was, like, honestly, like, one of my best friends. Anytime we'd hang out, we would just be giggling and laughing all day long, and it would I be a different that. energy when he was on set because sometimes it would be very intense. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make his wardrobe, I mean, it was definitely 90s. He was living in a 90s world yeah. where everything, mostly everything I got for him was vintage to start with. I love that. I want to call him like a teen now. He was a <laughs> kid when we were doing it, but now right. he's like get, becoming a grown-up. He's such a bundle of joy, and he's so talented <laughs> too. I really, I really think it showed. Don't you think? Yeah, you can you can see when an actor's feeling. I mean, I don't know, like if that you can just tell. You can just tell when they know what it is they're trying to portray. Like they they understand yeah. the emotions that they're the weight of the emotions that they're tasked of showing. And you definitely see it in him. Plus, definitely I mean, see it. There were moments when him and Shia would like sit and eat together. And it would almost feel like they were father and son. Like Shia would mm-hmm. tell him jokes and, you know, play games with him and give him, give him talk, like pep talks. And it was kind of really, really interesting to see it because Noah would hold on to every word, kind of like Otis would to his father. Mm-hmm. You know, he just it, admired him as as one would with Shia. It's you such know? a special it's quite, it's movie. Quite interesting to see. Like the circumstances of acting, the just the the difference in dynamics of this film, from like a diff, like a regular, like set, just a normal written, you know, fictional set, it's, it's it just seems like it 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 worked in all the ways that it should have, is what it, it appears. I think so. I mean, there were definitely some hard times. And yeah. There were definitely some really intense intense moments, like mm-hmm. seeing where James and. Otis are having that argument in the hotel room, and like twi- like Twiggy Twigs is nearby. That scene mm-hmm. was a really intense scene on set. It was hard because he has to actually slap, you know, slap right. Noah. And you know, Noah's mother was there, and Shia's mother is there, and we're all watching, and we're all like, That's so you weird, know, like ripping onto our nails, and <laughs> we're just like, oh my god, it's happening. But it's it's so. I mean, they sold it. They did such a good job. They had really good chemistry, and they still do. They like a family. Mm-hmm. How is it? How is it different designing for a movie where you have 
the people alive and talkable to as opposed to like just a fictional piece where all you have is a script and like some ideas well you want to mimic them in a nice light you don't want to do it in the wrong way Mm -hmm. you have to do a lot more research so like if i'm gonna do let's say okay i did this movie called lizzie borden right Mm -hmm. and you don't really have many pictures but you know it's 1890s (laughs) so you have to definitely make sure that your clothes are historically correct and Mm -hmm. you have to do all the research for them but a lot goes out the window so like you know that she's a widow or not a widow but she's widowing her parents basically Mm -hmm. she's mourning her parents and um she has to be in black but that could be anything that you want right as opposed to like you hear that okay james wore a, a prisoner of war vest and he used to ride with that what kind of what is that what does that mean how what color like how do you want that what did it look like what do you remember so it's a lot more like not nitpicking but it's a lot more research in a different Mm -hmm. way it's fun and it's quite fun but you also want to do it kindly you don't want to do something where it's like intrusive okay he was a rodeo clown here's a bunch of like bright clothes patches (laughs) right right you know you have to take it with a bit of with a bit of care Mhm. I like that. Yeah. How did you get into costume design? What's your What's your path? <laughs> I feel so old now, but I swear to God, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I went to college. I just did like a community college in mm-hmm. San Diego. I grew up in England. Really? And wow. Left- yeah, I'm English. I'm an O'Brien. I have a very weird. I guess transatlantic accent but i think i'm american now (laughs) (laughs) but um i grew up in england and we moved from england to carlsbad california in san diego and i did high school and i did fashion classes in high school and sewing classes and then in college i did more of that and i was very intrigued by it but I didn't totally know what I wanted to do, and then at 20 years old, I moved out, and I moved to Los Angeles, and I guess I started interning on a soap opera, basically, and after a week, they're like, we're going to hire you. I'm like, cool. (laughs) And so I got into the union at like 21 years old. I guess I was a kid. I was just a little baby. Yeah. And um, then I started meeting people, and I had met Lily, Anna Lily Amirpour, and I did Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Such a good movie, and, by the way. Um, I started doing. Pardon. Love that movie a lot. I just watched that. I think. Oh, thank you. A month ago, maybe. Really yeah. enjoyed it. I haven't, I haven't seen it in a long time, and in fact, when you were saying that you saw Honey Boy for the second time, I only saw it once, and it was at Sundance. That's the only time. I've oh goodness! Well, it's on Amazon Prime now. I. <laughs> I mean, I haven't. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's, it's. I have to like. I have to be in the moment to watch it. Yeah, you know? I mean, I watched the whole thing get made for God's sake. Right? Is that is it weird watching it's, things that you've made? Yeah, sure. It's bizarre, but it also like stamps the timeline of your life of how you were feeling and who, like, you know, who you were spending your time with and the outfits that you were wearing or something mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more meaty than that. But just like everything about it gives you like it's a smell. It's like a reminder. Of, yeah. Oh yeah, that's what it was like. You know. That's who I was at that Absolutely. moment, and I've, you know, hopefully grown from everyone. It's usually the case. Hmm. But yeah, so I, I started I started on a soap opera, and then I started doing film, and um, it just started. I fell in love with it. I 
you know, I, I love making characters. I love working in film. It's my bread and butter and it's in my blood. I just love it. How much how much do you enjoy the actual like clothing creation process? Like what goes into that? I mean, I love it. Hmm. <laughs> it's such a nice collaboration. It's so like incredible to work with your director and even work with the actors and you know show them, hey, this is what I'm planning. What do you think? This is going to go here. This is going to go there. But you know, sometimes you don't always get to create the clothes. You right. Just, you get to buy and it gets to alter. So it depends on the film, really. But I've been trying to do things that have a bit of a bigger budget so I can right. start from scratch. It's like making a cake. You don't go by the crust. Sometimes <laughs> you do. But yeah. I, I'm trying to learn how to make it all and do it all because it's really good skill sharpening. Absolutely. Is this is this what you think you want to do for good? Absolutely, yeah. That's all I do. That's got to be wonderful. Do you feel fulfilled? <laughs> of course. Absolutely. That's good to hear. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> do you have anything... <laughs> do you have any particular periods or genres that you really think about or that you want to design for? into that yeah i did this movie called i'm your woman and it was with the same directors that i did this movie called star Girlwood. it's uh julia hart who directed it and jordan mm-hmm. harowitz who did la la land and i love him so much and um we did this movie with rachel brosnahan the marvelous mrs nasal <laughs> <laughs> and it was all 70s in pittsburgh and that was the last film i did and it was pretty wild honestly really how so, so i feel like i got to yeah, I mean, like, it was all gangsters and mobsters, and we had a huge, like, disco scene, and... Oh, that sounds fun. Multiple. It was so much fun, and I'm really excited for it to come out. It's just, it's... I think we made something really beautiful and really needy, and a movie about a woman who's running away with her baby, and she's literally with this baby the entire movie. You know how hard that is to do? <laughs> don't make movies like that anymore. It was, it was definitely like a challenge to, right. to make these seventies outfits for this little this little six month old. You know. Yeah, I was gonna say, what is the baby wearing? <laughs> <laughs> so much stuff, and it's cold in Pittsburgh too. It's freezing out there. It was it, it was right. the dead of winter, so it was um it was a challenge. And the baby ran hot, so I'd make all these coats, <laughs> and the baby had a, tw- a twin, of course. So his name was um I believe. Jacob, we had Jacob mm. and Justin, and um, we had to make triples for the baby because you know <laughs> they vomit and do other things. So it was, it was an interesting challenge to think about that. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see it. I'm excited now. Oh, thank you. <sighs> Me too. <laughs> well, thank you so much for the insight. I'm I'm glad that we finally got to chat after I don't even know how long it's been since we first got in contact with each other, but. I know, I'm so sorry. It took me so long, but I remembered. I was like, hey, now. No I worries. Let's do something. Yeah, I've been... And I like your work. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate Absolutely. that a lot. Sure. Well, um, I, uh, yeah. I'm i probably going to come out to L.A. after I get done with school here in Michigan. So I would love to get a cup of coffee sometime. And hopefully your movies will be out by then. Uh-huh. And our paths will cross. I would love that. That's fantastic. 
because I'm I'll I'm I think I'm gonna try to get in the industry too. I think that's the big plan. So, hope hopefully we can work on something yeah. together someday. That would be nice. I'm I'm sure that we will. It's all it's all in the cards, isn't it? <laughs> it's all in the cards. We'll see. I mean, we'll see how the rest of this all year the goes. Cards. That's amazing. I think you're, I think you're in a, a minority there, maybe, but that's all we can do. Yeah, I mean they have to get better, don't they? They're getting, they're worse now, but they just have to get better. That's Absolutely, it it's just an opportunity to reflect. That's all I've seen it as. Like I've, I've been happier more days than I haven't been because there's only so much that I can control, and that's, that's the beginning and the end of it. So. You're so right about that. And if we have a positive attitude about it, I think that, you know, we can at least grow and continue to learn and be a part of what we need to do. It's just yeah, a this, better way of... This is such a chance. Like, like you said, you wake up and, like, you're reading and you're meditating every day. Like, if we're perfecting ourselves from the inside, we're ready to go out again, and, and it's going to just get better. I know. I really hope that people are taking the time, like... Because there are things that are happening that just suck objectively, and there's no like it's just bad money and sickness. Like it's just not a good thing. But there's only the only thing that you can control is what you do, how you react, how you speak. So I just hope that people come out more empathetic, more like listening more than talking, like thinking about their actions. So that's all you can hope for. This this is a chance to reflect on our system and the environment and appreciate our medical staff. And there's, there are, there are just as many positives as there are cons. I think if you look at it, that I couldn't way. agree more. And I think like, I think all these people are saying like, okay, so we have all this time, make sure you're honing in on your craft and you're perfecting your career. <laughs> it's like, no, actually I'm sorry. I'm working all the damn time. <laughs> this is a break. I'm actually going to take the Yeah, and a lot of I people. I watched 365 movies this year. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting there. Yeah, I just think people are. I think people get scared of that because when they when they have a job to do every single day or they do the same things all day, they don't really have time to think. And now, there's nothing to do but think. And so, if you're not good with yourself, that's a really scary place to be because <laughs> the distractions are limited. So. That's the message today, folks. <laughs> stay inside. I know, right? Well, I will probably be publishing this tomorrow, considering we're talking about good old COVID. Uh, it's been recording. It's been recording since you answered. So. Oh my god! Oh shit! <laughs> no idea. 
it's to- no um, i i always i always start recording as soon as the call starts so don't even okay. worry about it okay um, <laughs> um do you do you allow like uh if i if i curse at all oh i is that, is that... i encourage it <laughs> oh okay <laughs> just be yourself uh, no worries at all funny. okay good to know all right are you ready to to get into it oh yes yeah, now I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably I'll probably include a little bit of of this before just to just to have it start off a little. No, no, totally. So, like, t- tell me tell me about Honey Boy. How'd you get into it? How'd it make you feel? What'd you face when you did it? Whatever comes to your mind, let it all oh, out. Jeez. Um. Well, I got. Um, so a friend of mine, uh, Kendy is. He is a makeup artist who is very very. Um, I mean, his resume is incredible, mm-hmm. and I've I've known him for ten years. Basically, he was one of the first people that I met when I got into like the business, and he gave me one of my first jobs. And um, he called me just to check in on me because it had been years since we worked together. Uh-huh. And you know, I was about ready to just say I'm done with like being a makeup artist because it, it was only, really? I was on my tenth year or on my ninth year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was just tired having, you know, my back problems were like basically really, um, really prevalent at that point. Yeah. And, uh, and so he, you know, he called me and he was just like encouraging me to stay, stay in it. Like you never know what will happen and or who you're going to meet and all these different things. Um, and, and so I was like, okay, fine, 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 whatever. Um, so Two months later, he calls me for this job, and he's just like, yeah, he's like, it's a little indie project, super low budget, uh, like, no money, um, but it, it's for Shia, and he has a relationship with Shia. They've done, you know, quite a few films together, uh-huh. um, and he's like, it's for Shia, it's his, you know, story about his father and his childhood, and I was like, I'm in, whatever it is, I'm in, <laughs> like, say no more. I'll sweep the floor of the trailer if you need me to, you know, like, <laughs> right. I don't care what it is. Um, but yeah, so, you know, started working on, uh, on that job and it was from the very first day, it was like, uh, the most meta project <laughs> that has ever existed. Um, I mean, the way, just the way that it all happened and the way, the way that everything felt throughout the day, it was just kind of like you were basically inside Shia's head mm-hmm. all day long. And uh, you, you re- you're reading about it. You're surrounded it. It's just um, it, it was very cool, and it was um, it was by far like the most personal, the most um, engaging project that I've ever worked on. Yeah. Um, and it was um, I don't know. I just felt like it, it has a very sentimental effect for the people that were like part of the crew, mm-hmm. and it just sort of feels like everyone that. I've been able to get to know and, you know, have spoken with, um, everyone was sort of going through all these different issues, whatever it may be at that time when they got that job. And it was, you know, to be on, on that set, it was always very emotional. It was always like, you know, a hundred percent high intensity. Yeah. Um, you know, and it wasn't like, you can't, you can't even say it's dramatic acting. You're watching like, basically these people go through things and experience things and, and reenact things and experience them firsthand 
Um, and it, and you could always feel that sort of energy in the room, like what you what you see. Have Have you seen the movie yet? Yes, I have. Get, yes, I have. Um, so you can, you know, the way that you felt watching it, I'm sure in a lot of those scenes, it felt you felt that like the crew w- was affected. Um, yeah, all the time. You can't watching separate all of these things happen. You can't separate, and and you know, for certain people, it would uh, obviously make you think about what they're going through and however you might relate to that. So it was it was like an emotional shoot for a lot of uh, you know really great reasons. Um, and so it just you know it uh, for basically everyone that was a part of it, it really was just one of the most um, I don't know like the greatest project you know to have <laughs> be be a part of. Well, that's amazing. Um, yeah. What did, what did you get to thinking about in your life from working on it? Um, you know, right after, about two days after we wrapped and had the wrap party, um, my back went out for what would be, which was kind of like the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like in the middle of 20, the middle of 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, like, I had told myself I was going to stop doing makeup, and I had already been, like, I, I wanted to take up acting, and I'd already taken classes, and I've already, you know, I, I worked with so many people that I was just sort of doing my best to basically get any help and advice from them as much as possible mm-hmm. um, on, like, just basically what to do next and just the best way for me to do those things um and it um it's sort of just like it was weird because like at the time I was really inspired because like you know I was I was I was one of the uh, it was a lot of it was like me on set with you know uh Noah and Lucas and Shia and in a lot of these really intimate moments and oftentimes there'd be, you know, I would be asked by Alma to go adjust something, let's say, on Lucas, Mm -hmm. and she would take me into the room that he was isolating himself in and getting himself, you know, however pumped up or emotionally engaged in whatever he was about to go do. Yeah. And so I would sometimes be the only person, aside from maybe Alma, who would get to see this sort of uh, preparation. Wow. And this sort of That's really intimate. And, and, um, so like I you know and I was always like observing of course but it just um, it inspired the hell out of me to mm-hmm. just like go one million percent for it um, but then of course like two days later my back starts to you know go out and over the next six months like I had I went back to acting classes and I did my best for like maybe two two to three months mm-hmm. and then my back went out again and then it went out again. Oh and every goodness. time my back would go out, it would just sort of progressively get worse. And the recovery time would go from two weeks to a month to a month and a half. And um, and I started to feel like, um, it, like, and it wasn't like it would just go out. It would be like I would collapse. Like, oh, my God. Like, like those commercials that you see, like 80-year-olds just, like, falling to the ground, <laughs> and then they can't move, and they need the 911 button or the mm-hmm. necklace around their neck. Like, that was me. And, um, and I started to like not go out uh, and be social because I was so worried if I was going to like grab, you know, my glass from off the table 
will my back go out kind of thing. Right. Um, so basically I just went, went to, you know, my surgeon, he was like, yeah, you need surgery. And I just, I knew it. And, um, cause I had been trying to like just therapy, you know, do therapy, like get better yeah. previously. And it, it was not, where did, where did the back problem um, stem from? I think doing makeup for 10 years, really being a makeup artist on set for 10 years, lugging, you know, being a pack horse is a lot of what we do. Standing, standing in weird positions as you're doing makeup right. is a big, a big, um, a thing for it, but just standing in general. And then the hours that you work, you know, I, I, for such a long time on any given show that I'd be working on, it'd be, you know, sometimes waking up at 3.30 a.m., to leave my house by 4.30 to be at work by 5, 5.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. And then you're there until 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. And, I mean, you hardly have time to go home in traffic, yet alone have time to sleep and wake up and shower and eat and whatever. It's like you start to um, negate all of your sort of self-care in lieu of just having a little more sleep kind of thing. Yeah. And then for 10 years, compounding all of that, it just took a toll on me and I could have done things so much better obviously um but those are all my lessons that I you know in hindsight now appreciate but um yeah for me just my body possibly maybe genetics um it it just basically I had two of my vertebrae my or my discs like completely degenerate um gosh and, and, and they were once like herniated discs and that's how it started and then they just mm-hmm. got worse and worse and worse and then they just like ate themselves and then died but um, but now you know it's like I did it and I just it was funny because like I always feel like oh that you know with Honey Boy that gave me the inspiration I needed to like go through the surgery and then mm-hmm. not just the surgery but like the recovery and right. have something to aspire to, you know what I mean? For sure. Um, and and so it just, um, but yeah, the recovery was really awful. It was like the first, so sorry. Months, the first two months were hell, like super hellish. Um, you know, the fifth month, it was like I was able to work out and um, do certain things relatively normally. Mm-hmm. But you're just like the whole time, you're just having to like strengthen your muscles and strengthen basically yeah strengthen your muscles to help support your your weight and your mm-hmm. your back and your bones and all of that um but yeah and so that's kind of like I mean that was like a year easily a year of just recovery and um and now it's like and now I'm here and now I've <laughs> I literally yesterday was my one year like anniversary of the surgery wow um Oh, wait, is today the third or today the second? Today's the third. Okay, two days ago, February 1st was my, was my D-Day. And then, um, wow. and, and on that day is when I moved into my new place. So That just seems like to make went, sense. Yeah, kind of went full circle as far as like new, new beginnings, everything, yeah. you know, new place, new back. And you're feeling good now with your new back. New career. I am, yeah. People ask me a lot if I, if it's something that I regret doing or if I feel better, if I feel pain. And mm-hmm. um, I think to, to be straight up honest, I think there's always going to be certain things that if I do for too long, you're going to feel pain. I mean, your body's not, 
you know, indestructible. Like if you do stupid things or movements too often, your muscles will get sore. Your bo- you know, your bones will get worn out. It's just like it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I'm able to do basically like anything um, and everything, uh, just as anyone else would. Um, probably better than a lot of people. So it's like, and I, and for me personally, I feel like I'm I'm better than I've ever been, um, and I know, and it's only been a year, so I feel like as time goes by, I'll be able to basically really sort of fall back into my body a bit because it's kind of like you have to like reconfigure yourself a little bit mm-hmm. um, mentally and physically, and like just kind of like get used to it, um, but. Yeah, I, I, I just feel like I'm able, so much more capable now. And if I basically, as long as I work out and have a good diet and cook my food, like as long as I take care of myself and stretch, um, I'll be able to do like anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but it was like a thing. It was like a real, a real, a real thing to have to like, you know, go through it wanting to you know pivot careers and completely change my career and then that happens it's like oh my god like am I gonna ever even have the chance right you know like it was pretty 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 despair inducing for that to have happened but I'm glad that it did you know it's it's good that it worked out the way that it did right so and it's all just uh uphill from here (laughs) hopefully I mean (laughs) I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, you know, I'm not, I don't have any, like, steady income anymore. <laughs> it's, there's a lot of, basically, financial things that could be better, but yeah. at the same time, um, it's just, it's like, okay, well, at the, at the end of the day, I, I, I've already experienced, like, the worst of what it's like to, to live with crazy pain. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to do that anymore, or, or or do something that I'm not entirely happy with doing. Right. You know, I need, I need to just do things that fulfill and just make me more happy. And it's like you, there's no more room for, 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 uh, like tolerating anything that literally is just not the best for you, for me, at Mm -hmm. least, you know, it just, it forces you to kind of, um, you know, weed out like friendships or just certain certain things in your life, or like confronting um, any problems that you've had with people. Like that—that that was kind of like what happened. What like right after I got the surgery. Yeah. Like your body's in so much pain. It's like all of a sudden you're like kind of just broken open into, and everything, anything that was like a facade in my life, just fell to the floor, like crumbled. That's extremely and, interesting. And. And, and, and it was like not something you ever want to have to deal with of course but like at the same time it just made me realize like oh my god this is like my whole, anything bad in my life is like falling away from me which is amazing wow um, How, can you tell me a little I, bit more about that like can you give me an example uh, I mean just like um, like like it could just be like things in friendships friendships or, or people people um, people that you might interact or, or encounter or be around in your life that 
you know, at times do things or say things that, you know, make you feel like, wait a minute, why did they say that? Or why do they mm-hmm. have to say, why do they have to uh, say anything less than something that wouldn't make me like feel good about this choice in my life or this decision or this right. thing that I'm doing or whatever. Um, and that's kind of something I've always encountered a lot with, like, you know, there, there are, there are going to be people in your life, especially if you're still pursuing something, not, this isn't, I don't apply this to anyone that's already really successful. Yeah. Um, this is just as you're coming up, but you know, if you're, if you have big ambitions and you want to have these huge dreams that you want to pursue, there's always going to be someone in your life somewhere that will say something like what I had someone say to me when I was like, Oh, I want to pursue acting and I just signed up for these acting classes and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, why are you the first thing that she said, you know, why are you, spending your money on, on acting classes. You should be investing in your art. What are you doing? And she was, like, angry with me. Right. You don't need that. Thought, you don't need that. What kind of initial response was that? I'm like, I'm over here, like, like it was, It took a lot for me to even tell people that I was doing that. It's scary. And, yeah. And then, like, to have them sort of react to you like that, it's like, what the fuck? No. Then, you know, all, all those things, it just... The things that you, we tolerate within uh, relationships, whether they be like, you know, intimate relationships, friendships, whatever it is, th- the things that we tolerate, um, those things sort of got amplified for me when I was in my most vulnerable state. Yeah. Where I had, I was dependent on like my mom to help me get, do anything and everything. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're really like, uh, you're so vulnerable. It's almost like you, you focus on on all these things that make you feel in any which way yeah i feel bad, that i really do it, like if they're bad you don't want to feel any any more bad than you already do mm-hmm. and it was just weird it was just a very weird thing to like it was just a very weird occurrence like when when all that happened um i just realized i was like wait this is making me feel really bad um and then you just confront it and then it's like either you allow it to stay in your life or you just say, you know what, no. And all these things that I was, I said no to, like, just, it, it was weird how immediately after that, um, maybe just by chance or because I was shedding perhaps like some dead, you know, dead weight, dead skin, some old, old whatever it was in my life, mm-hmm. all these great things started to happen. It was like beautiful things started coming in, into my world. And and I thought, wow, that's just like a weird, it was just a weird <laughs> thing. Like you push, push things out of the way, you make room, and then sure enough, like just really, you know, fortunate things started to happen as in the middle of my recovery, you know, but yeah. it was great. So I just, um, yeah, it's interesting how that worked out. And I don't think you could get that kind of perspective unless you really are going through something that makes you that vulnerable um, which is like kind of a, the, I think the give and the take is like having to go through something like that. Yeah. Um, it's just like understanding uh, a pain, like it really like actual pain, not like oh I hit myself or cut right. my toe or like you know. Um, but it's it. Yeah. Now now I feel like oh my god I I should have done it sooner. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and that's how and that's how I honestly feel. And I and, and anyone, especially if you're younger, 
like, you know, people, and I, I have a lot of people who ask me because they have fat problems and they're in their 30s and they feel like they're too young. And it's like, you know, first of all, we're, we're doing so much. We're in that stupid hustle culture where, you know, always be busy, no rest. It's like, no, that's stupid. No, yeah. take the rest and take care of yourself because if you don't, you're an idiot. And it truly, like, I was an idiot for such a long time thinking that I could just keep going and going and going. And it's like, no, I should have been paying attention and, and, focused on me so much more um versus just like my work 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 you know yeah it's difficult and 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 it's it's funky because sometimes you have to sacrifice your mental health or your sleep schedule or something because you just you just say in your head well I have to do this like I have to get this done it just needs to occur so it's and especially like in film industry like it's so demanding. The hours are so long sometimes. Like, sometimes you just can't say no. So it's yeah. it's tough when you enter something that's already set up to be not necessarily the, the healthiest of dynamics for your for your mind, I think. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's so tough. And so often I would just sacrifice. Sacrifice sleep. And, like, for me, it was like, I, you know, I was doing makeup, but then I was also painting. And, mm-hmm. and I was just, like crazy person and I would come home from work after an at least 12 to 14 hour day sometimes longer and then I would try to paint for like an hour or 20 minutes or whatever (laughs) I had left and and uh so I I would be like burning like forever I was just burning the candle at both ends absolutely and then um and it just was like oh I can't do that anymore (laughs) I just I can't and it's and and then people you know and for me it's like you know like acting it's like well first of all filmmaking I love filmmaking. Like I just love being on film sets mm-hmm. and, and doing makeup was the thing that they let me do. Right. Like that was, that was the thing that I knew I could do and that I knew I could get better at just through practicing a technique and I knew I could do it, but like, I didn't know, I didn't know like the film mold. I didn't know how to be on a set, set etiquette, none of that. And you know, it took me a long time because, like, I'm, you know, it's terrifying. And for me, I, I also didn't feel like I wanted to change careers up until maybe my fifth year as a makeup artist. Mm-hmm. And that's when it kind of started, the idea started to creep in. Like, well, maybe you should just try it. You should try it. Because there's some people that I've worked with who have asked me if I would consider it. And and I always thought, like, oh, one day, one day. But it was just, it's like a confidence thing and, um, and, and just a... It really is like you just have to like really have the balls to go for it. Right. And at the time, I just never was ready. Um, but then, you know, right before the surgery, where I felt like, oh, like I think I can do this. I can do this. And then, and then uh, it, it was just like after Honey Boy, I was like, oh, I know I can do this. I know I can do this. But then my back was just like, fuck you. You're gonna have to go through <laughs> some shit before you do any of this because you don't have the full effect of like I don't know perhaps like the spectrum of, of happiness and pain in one's life or I don't know what the fuck but like it, there was like a lot of lessons that I still had to to, to, to earn you know yeah um, and then but now it's like I, I do feel like the surgery kind of informed me of what immeasurable pain feels like mm-hmm. and 
being completely vulnerable. Like have, I had so many people up my urethra, like putting in, <laughs> you know, the, the, the P, you know, the P string. And then like, Jesus. The, just like people were all up in my shit. People right. were all up in my shit. And to have your body, like, I'm sure every one of us will go through that at some point, hopefully mm-hmm. not, but like to have, I mean, it, it was just the weirdest thing to have people kind of enter and exit your body body and all these weird funky ways and yeah i feel like it fucks with your identity like, a little bit well it, well well it just i mean it almost it not not so much that well kind of it, it just makes you realize like this is just my body right yeah and, exactly that's what i meant and they don't give a fuck no they're just trying to make sure you're okay uh-huh. and you're alive and you're you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but but yeah it really makes you think well it, it helped me make me think um less fearful about what I look like physically because I, I always felt like you know I've never been a skinny girl um and and you know in, in acting at least in the beginning of my career mm-hmm. a lot of the women that I would work with a lot of them were these tiny women and very skinny and very mm-hmm. svelte and fit and whatever um but then maybe like well into like my fifth sixth year a lot of the jobs I was working all amazing amazing productions where they were like way more inclusive I was working with anyone and everyone all kinds of body types Mm -hmm. and and it kind of just helped me realize like oh wait you know maybe you don't need to be this perfect little thing to 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 do this and then after like the surgery and having my body handled just like a fucking rag doll Mm -hmm. I was like who cares like okay (laughs) I'm not gonna be perfect ever and you know what like whatever and I don't know it's just like I, I, I'm just gonna, you know, ride around in this body until it gives out permanently, so, who, like, who, who cares, you know, it just yeah. helps kind of, like, take down that, that, um, I don't know, the illusion of self, in the sense that it's like, you know, you need, you're not ready, you need to do this, you need to be taller, you need to be shorter, you need to be thinner, whatever you need to be, your teeth need to be better, your skin's not perfect, whatever it is, you know, it's like, it's just, doesn't matter just like chill it's just a body <laughs> and you know at the end it's like that's all it is and i don't know because that could be like a big you know i know a lot of people deal with like their uh, you know self self-image right and but you just gotta people... like you gotta let it go like it, there's a it, it's yeah. really weird trying to navigate between like I think I think it happens in steps where you convince yourself to like not care what other people think, and I feel like like the older you get, the more you genuinely don't care. But there's still like that voice in your head that like you're talking about that's like shit. What's not good about me? What needs to be fixed? What needs to be fixed every day? Blah blah blah. blah. But then like the more you really dwell on it, you get to like a point where you're like, as long as I'm not like literally treating my body like shit, then like, mm-hmm. where where is the real reason like for concern? Like I. It, there's really nothing there besides the story yeah. that you're telling yourself. Yeah, and then it takes up so much of your energy just worrying about yeah. am I am I good enough? Do I look good enough in my own perspective? You know, and I don't know. It's all that's all kind of silly, and I feel like now more than ever, um, that is that it, like doesn't matter how how you look like. It's just are you are you like can you do it? Doesn't right. matter like what you look like you know what I mean it's like just can you like emote or can you can you just tell this story effectively that's it mm-hmm. you know which is like a 
fucking great thing. But, yeah. Yeah. It's it was, it's weird that it's still like, like it's not like body image and expectations are gone because it like we're really weirdly in a super uniquely inclusive but also still like I don't know I mean it's funky we we like pretty people but <laughs> it, it's weird to make that like the person to focus on mm-hmm. and it's it still feels like it's oriented towards that a lot but but it's definitely like so different now like it's so yeah. much less it, it feels like we kind of busted it open and we're like hold on what like what are we actually trying to look like like what's well, up it's, 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 it's good because you're getting you're getting the artists um, who are who are becoming they're at the helm of the story that they're creating or telling and it just helps it just helps to create uh, like better stories as opposed to like having you know some, I mean there's still a lot of executives that will exist on certain projects that are you know basically the chefs in the in the in the kitchen and mm-hmm. everyone has to have their say or their input which makes their story whatever it is sometimes very convoluted and messy and all over the place and actually hard to create itself but um no you're just getting people who are like true artists being yeah. the producers of their stuff and in turn, that's allowing, you know, these people who are, who genuinely really care about whatever their craft is, let's say on a film set, they're, they're doing it and, and doesn't matter where they come from or their education level or whatever. It's like, right. if you're good at your job, like the, the merit in that, like that's what matters. Mm-hmm. And, and it's wonderful to see that. And you're not like being discriminated against because of like, what sex you are or whether or not you meet the person's perspective of what like they they're looking for you know what i mean it's like yeah. are you good at your job that's, <laughs> right you know, i mean there's so but straight up there's so many people out there that do things for the wrong reason right but luckily in this day and age um a lot of sets do not uh encourage or enable that kind of behavior as much mm-hmm. anymore so that's um it's like like a very encouraging it's a good time to even just be making films or being in films or just it's it's a really good time for a lot of people you mm-hmm. know it's a lot more it's just so much safer and right and uh there's a lot just the, the level of respect that can exist on a set now is, is like fantastic um so i mean it's rare for to see someone be mean on a film set nowadays like mm-hmm. It's like that kind of behavior to anyone. It's just like why, why, why allow it? Doesn't yeah. need to be there, you know. I mean, that, that's kind of the case in general. Like, <laughs> in general, to everything that you can ever do in life, like, don't if you know what I mean. I just find it so hard to like find the anger in myself to ever even be mean. Like, even if someone's just being a complete ass, like, I just don't care. Like, I can't even force myself to like get worked up enough to like say or do anything like because it just doesn't even like it doesn't right. even matter yeah but it'll never serve but yeah that, that kind of stuff never serves anyone anyone any good yeah i just learned yeah. that like if, if someone's being annoying or if someone's frustrating you then it's not an opportunity for you to scold them 
or change their values or express to them that what they're doing is wrong, I think it's 100% an opportunity for you to look at yourself and understand what you don't have more patience with and just understand yeah. what you could have more patience with. And once I started looking yeah. at it like that, it's like exciting. Like I went and saw The Shining a couple nights ago and there were there was a row of people behind me who had never seen it and they seemed like super super high. So the whole movie they were like like cackling like like loud loud bellowing oh. laughter like the whole movie. And it was just them. Like cuz yeah. The Shining's not the funniest <laughs> flick. And they just like failing. that. I was just like it was it was a really like interesting experience for me to like deal with the emotions <laughs> of hearing those people behind me cuz it's like huh yeah. like what is this doing to me? How is this affecting like my movie going experience <laughs> stuff like that's just like exciting now because I get to yeah. just think about myself and how I'm it's a, feeling it's a definite lesson in patience mm-hmm. which I feel like as you get older you get more of those lessons in patience and that's very funny like the place that I moved into right now for example mm-hmm. um, my downstairs neighbor has a wind chime and oh, cool! I keep hearing it, right? I keep hearing it, and it sounds like there's a little, little, little fairy outside my living room window, just jingling a bell, just randomly, <laughs> kind of constantly. And I'm, I'm one of those people that if there's a loose fan in the room, I can't sleep in it. Or if there's something, really? you know, clinking or clanking, or if something's loose or something's jiggling and making a weird noise, it'll, I'll only be able to focus on that. And right. every thought I'll ever have. be interrupted by that noise and um and so i've just been sort of hyper focused on the fact that there's this wind chime and i'm like you know what there is a lesson here there is a lesson and you have to pick your battles right it's okay you'll get used to it just like play your television when you're awake and you'll be fine you know but every time i turn off the television i'll just hear the little you know ring a ding a ling it's like oh my god oh my god but so just yeah simple little things i mean those little lessons and patience i swear i can't wait until those lessons are done and they'll never be done they'll always present themselves (laughs) in different forms but yeah now for me mine is a wind chime and it's funny I, i looked up online just to see if i was like crazy and um there's forums of people dealing with neighbors who have wind chimes that annoy the fuck out of them and there's even stories of support people groups just like <laughs> there's people there's like people who've gone off like dressed all in black and like gone to like do this sort of like black ops you know sort of situation and they're like stealing the wind chimes or they're like fixing them so they don't make noise anymore or I mean, just like all these different things or people taking people to court over a wind chime and I'm like, wow that's pretty amazing so I'm like I'm not the only person that thinks that they could be really annoying um, I mean if it were like one of the like I've heard some beautiful ones too where it sounds like music and they're right. like flute ones but this one's just like stones and like metal parts <laughs> clanking oh. together and I'm like oh my goodness so, yeah, for me, I'm like, okay, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll practice. I will yeah, at what point every day. At what point do you have to, like, like, I, I will always feel guilty if I feel, like, I, I always want to be at a point where I have enough patience to handle anything. 
but like sometimes you're just like you just like are really sucking at like interact like the movie people like i was just like like they're objectively wrong in this situation like i could tell them please be quiet and i don't think i'd be unjustified but like it's just trying to make that distinction in my head of like, can I be patient enough? Like, is that feeling in my head ever going to go away where it's just like, just shut the fuck up, please? <laughs> like, God. It's, it's being, being human is exactly why it's called that. Like, we're only human. And right. we can only take so much sometimes, or we can only, I mean, there's like, we, we tolerate, we tolerate a lot. You know what I mean? Whatever mm-hmm. it is, big, little, and, and yeah, I mean, if, if, if it comes to it, I'll definitely mention it for sure but I'm just trying to just like it's okay just 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 relax you know right it'll be fine <laughs> but maybe I'll get used to it who knows like I I hope I do if it stays that way but um <laughs> it's just I'm like okay I'll just have to get used to it you know I, I just think wind chimes are for like porches of like old country houses out in a field where like With- that's, like acres of land. Right, like where, that's where, where that belongs. Like where they're the only ones that can hear that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you think that because I was just, I just, I was like, I can't be the only one. Like, how can how can that be? Like, no. how can they hear that and think no one else hears? That? Everybody wants when, to hear this. Like everybody. Everyone can hear it. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, noise pollution is a thing, and it's like it's, you're not living. Right. You're not living by yourself. You have people near you, next to you, above mm-hmm. you. It's like it's a little bit of a different. You know, I I, I would love there to be more. Uh, you know, it, I guess just a consideration sometimes. Yeah, the the wind chime is just thing. like a commitment. Like that person is writing a contract with nature to say, all right, anytime there's wind at all, let's <laughs> fucking jam. Like. It's yeah. not like you play music loud sometimes and your neighbor's like, hey, turn it down. It's like, no, that's a permanent installment of <laughs> chime just forever. That's just where of, it goes. Of constant, incessant, random noise. <laughs> oh, man. No, and there's no like rhyme or to, there's no rhyme or reason to it. You can't know. You're just going to hear like every whenever. It really it really is just like a bell outside the window. I'm like, oh dear. What did I do and what did I do in my past life to deserve this? I'm, I need to be more tolerant apparently. There's like a literal bell ringing in my in my subconsciousness like all the time now. So like, oh, I'm just trying to make light of it and like make sense of it in some weird cosmic way. However, that can help me sleep at night, but <laughs> for sure. You know, it's okay. The last place I lived in had, like, I lived next to, like, a YMCA, so, and people would park. It was residential, but they would park on my block, and mm-hmm. that would start at, like, 5 a.m. So I, I did have a lot of cars, like, that kind of noise pollution before. Mm-hmm. Now I don't. Now it's very quiet, aside from the, you know, the, the berry with the bells outside of my window. But, like, <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's a give and a take. Well, it could always be worse. Yeah. Oh it's, God. Yeah. I could always be so gunshots or fireworks. So yeah. And where 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 are you at right now? You're calling. You're calling from. I am in Michigan. What is? Is it just freezing out there? Um. You know what's funny is today was the nicest day since probably like November. Like I was wearing a t-shirt comfortably. It was beautiful outside today. 
And you're going to school out there, right? Yeah. Yes, I am. Nice. Wait, tell me your, your major. I'm pursuing film, so it's a film and philosophy double major. Very nice. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a good combo. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been very fruitful. Very Is fruitful. It, you're pursuing film in the sense that like, you want to make films yourself? Oh, my or? goodness. Oh, my goodness, goodness, goodness. I don't even know where I'm going to end up. <laughs> I would, That's okay. I would love to do a lot. I've I've talked to like many, many, a, a nice variety of job positions in the industry, and a lot of them sound appealing. So I don't I don't really know yet. I mean, obviously, I'd like to make films, but I'm not super obsessed with the idea of like end all be all being a director or anything of the kind. I would I would just like to be, I I would just like to be at in some way having a hand at making films, and I I'd be at peace with that. Yeah. So. Well, the good thing the good thing with like the film industry is you can start somewhere mm-hmm. and jump to something else, and then jump to something else, and then right. work your way up here or there, and like every pretty much everyone I've ever truly like had a relationship with in the film industry, mm-hmm. they've all moved up, and a lot of them have pivoted, and you can and you know engage yourself in different right. different things, which is nice. And, and you have a lot of options too. I mean, like so many different things that you can like, you know, be a part of mm-hmm. when it comes to filmmaking. But yeah, the great thing is like, if you, even if you didn't know now or in a year, five years from now, you can always just change it up. For and, sure. Look at you. Yeah. 10 years into it. <laughs> how did you get into the industry in the first place? Which is insane. I... You know, I was, I was, I was just out of, um, I was in college, but I was like flunking all my classes because I was just a terrible student. Why is um, that? I just, I, I was the kind of person I hated being in a social environment for classes. Mm-hmm. I always like to just do that thing more on my own. Yeah. Um, and so I would often like get the books or get the syllabus or get the projects that we had to do and then kind of stop showing up to class. Um, but then I would still do the work. Um, but yeah, it was just, I, I, I just wasn't good, like learning environments for me and like large class sizes were just never good for me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't focus. And if I'm not hands-on, like engaging myself, I lose focus. And yeah. that's just something that I wasn't able to like sort of, uh, um, express or, you know, make sense of at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I... But anyways, I was on like a, a study abroad in Italy, but I was in Germany Ooh. just like having fun and traveling. This was in like 2003, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was the world premiere of Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Ooh. And I was a huge, huge fan. And so I found a theater in Germany and I you know, wanted to go watch it there. Um, totally in German, but I don't care. Like I read the books. I knew it was happening. <laughs> I just wanted, I wanted to just see the right. movie. Um, so I did and like halfway through the movie I just kind of felt like you know there's people that have to go to New Zealand and like do all this orc makeup and all this stuff like oh I want to do that and so I walked out of that theater and I just like straight up called my mom I'm like oh I know what I want to do with the rest of my life wow great why what is it I was like I want to do makeup for film and she's like oh (laughs) okay well great you know like Mm -hmm. that sounds like a hard thing to get into (laughs) um but yeah and and so i I did and it took me maybe like a few years 
Um, but I just basically went to school. I went to Mud in Burbank. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, I, I just started working jobs on Craigslist. Um, did, like I basically worked for free for a lot of people for three years. Wow. And then one of those jobs was for this guy, Keith Hall, who was like the department head of Dexter. Mm-hmm. And he ended up calling me a year later um, for a film that was not union, but it was like gonna flip. So he's like, you should do this film. It's 30, 30 days, you'll get in, and then you'll be union. So sure enough, I, I did that, and I, 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 got, I got union. And, that, and once you're union, that kind of like changes the game for you. Yeah. Um, and you're allowed to work on, you know, all the big, all the big fun projects. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and it was just always like, uh, but for me, it was always something that I just worked through um, based off of referrals and each job that I would get. I would meet people and make friends and they would refer me for the next job that I would get. Um, and, and, and I, I was really lucky cause I've had a couple of mentors in my life. One was the guy that I mentioned in the beginning, Ken Diaz. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one of my like huge mentors was Peter Rob King. who He retired, I think two years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's done like between him and Ken, they've worked on every movie you've ever seen. And, <laughs> Um, and so I think that's what made it fun for me to like go to work and, and do that job was because I knew I was always around race and people that were just the best at what they did. Um, and, and it was good. I felt, I felt like, okay, I'm surrounding myself with the best people. Like, this is good, you know? Um, and I didn't, I felt, I probably didn't understand fully at the time, like where I would end up or what I would be doing 10 years from then. But um, I just knew like this is this is what like where I need to be, and um, yeah. and I had really good people to like look up to and learn from and observe and watch and um, speak to and listen to stories and whatever. And that's just not and that's you know aside from like uh, Peter and Ken, I'm talking like people like on these productions that I would work with mm-hmm. from the directors, the writers, the whatever actors, producers, like all of those people. Um, and there was all these times where I'd be just having to engage with like these like super, you know, big wig kind of personalities or people. Um, and so that, that really helped me sort of know how to level myself and how mm-hmm. to stay grounded um, when you're in, in situations like that or when you're around these sorts of people or this sort of uh, just, it's a different, it's a different kind of energy when you're either like in a trailer or on a set and you have these like big stars and lots of money and big producers around and it's cool it's fun it's mm-hmm. great you know um but it's it's just it's something that i think a lot of people um either need to acclimate themselves to over time and experience or that or they're it takes a certain kind of personality to like yeah. be around that and and be able to engage and 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 either like just be cool or be chill or you know it's like because uh, it's kind of like anything and everything can and will happen mm-hmm. um, in the world of filmmaking and so it's um, it's just a, like doing all of the shows and, and movies that I've done was just sort of like insane preparation of like how to handle basically anything <laughs> <laughs> honestly and I think and I, and, and, and 
to be honest, I feel like as, as uh, the makeup artists and the hairstylists on film sets, they have to deal with, with a lot of stress, basically, from morning, noon, and night. And they have to juggle, um, they have to juggle people. Like their, their job, I mean, you could be a good hairstylist, you could be a good makeup artist, but really what you need to be a fucking genius at is how to be around people and how to like read people's energy and how yeah. to know when to be quiet, how to know when to engage in a conversation, how to know how to level your energy knowing this person, this actor, they're prepping right now. They need the energy in the room. Mm-hmm. Don't start telling a story to the person <laughs> next to you when they're running their lines next to you right. and you're interrupting the kind of vibe with a this or that. And, and that sounds like something easy enough, but but there's been times when it's just you're 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 with certain people and they don't know how to like yeah like level their energy to to be more understanding to the people in the room that need it so and it sounds weird to say it like that but it's so true it's like you could be a terrible hairdresser or terrible makeup artist but if you allow let's say this actor that you work with all the time to feel safe Mm -hmm. and to feel good and they can trust you and it just sometimes it's like an energy vibe that people need from you and if you can give that then you're fucking hired um because that's the biggest thing that matters you know how how are you just and and with everything like any any job member like crew member you all have your own responsibility and it's like the you know the best crews in the world are when everyone on that crew really knows how to handle their their responsibility for whatever it is that they're doing mm-hmm. um and and uh it's 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 very it's, it's very weird you're just kind of like juggling a lot throughout the day and and a lot of it is just like people being around people and time and you know time management and, and stress and emotions and you know it, it's it's very it's a lot like just one day on a film set can be just the most eventful day that's ever happened. And that can happen every single day, which is great. And it's fun. And that's what makes it exciting. Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny. You just, it, it does take a certain type of personality to be able to not only endure that, but to just like, um, drive in it and, and, you know, understand it, I guess. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a blast. It sounds like a challenge. It sounds it sounds it's always sounded like a completely unique workspace that you can't even really accurately talk about because of how diverse it is. Yeah, and I think and just the more that you like, let's say if you end up doing one job and then you do another, it doesn't matter what you're doing because you're just gonna get insight into all the little facets of like whatever departments are doing or whatever producers are doing or whatever. You know, it's like there's so much happening like on set and off set mm-hmm. whether it be production offices or it just it doesn't there's always so much happening that it just all the experience that anyone can ever get doing any kind of job little or big it's, that's you know that's so so key like just I, I almost encourage people who want to like do you know big things in the film world do the little jobs first mm-hmm. and really just observe people who are good at what they do and just try to try your best to understand what people's jobs are, what that entails, 
and just kind of getting an understanding of like what a day is like mm-hmm. um, in that environment um, because it'll just it'll help not only take any fear away because you just don't know what it's like let's say to be on a film set but um, it's just you know with anything experience the more you have the better the more comfortable you are right. um, in any any given situation um, so yeah so yeah, if you don't know what you want to do yet, it doesn't matter. Like, you're good. That's almost better. Well, thank you for cooler. that abundance of advice. Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, that's, it's, that's pretty much what I'm doing here is just chatting with people from all walks of film life. Seeing I saw what that. I was to. looking at that, like, all, the, all your guests. I'm like, oh, that's really fantastic. Like, you have just a totally different array of, like, people that do different things which is really wonderful yeah i, I really appreciate it because there's not much like there's a lot of jobs in film that kind of just don't like the, the jobs that don't get interviews or like really deep you know looks or, or talks or like costume designers or production designers or art directors foley artists whatever it be like they're all really important all of them mm-hmm. and i just i love that being able to talk to everybody how many really nice. you've done? How many seasons of your show? Have this you is uh, my third year. This is my third year Three. right now. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's so good. That's so great that you're doing that. Because I mean, just just talking with people is is way more educational <laughs> than honestly, like going to school for it. Like you you're engaging yourself. <laughs> right. I'm going into debt, paying for school. But like my podcast is far and away the most important thing I've done. For my career, <laughs> which is kind of fucked, Good. but you know. Although they go, they go hand in hand. Right. They're they're equally as no. Yeah, the school thing is good. That's important. Yeah, it's then, it's chill. You know, I'm sorry. But it's it's cool that you're you're doing something outside of it that you know. Yeah, and everybody's so nice. Everybody's been so incredibly receptive and always welcoming. Like, yeah, let's grab coffee whenever. Like, it's it's just been a really. It's been really cool, especially like talking to people like this. It's way less like interviewee and like I don't know. Like I've I've since the beginning I've never tried to like be like so what's how's the movie you're working on? Like I just want to chat with people, and that's why we can talk for like an hour and it's just like it's nice. Like we're just chilling. It's not it's not really interviewee. It's just like yeah. getting context. You know, it's very making, informal. Yeah, which very, very relaxed. For sure. Which is, which is nice. Oh, wonderful. Well, goodness, thank you yeah. so much for the chat. How did you How did you uh, come across, well, I guess just like watching Honey Boy, but how did you come across like my, my I don't know, and for like me or whatever? There's basically <laughs> like a directory that I use that has extensive contact information for most crew members on any film. So I'll just find a movie I'm interested in. And just contact everybody from the movie that I can. So, nice. yeah. So I've, I've already talked. I think I've got a couple more people from Honey Boy. They've been very busy. They've been very busy. Um. Well, Alex Summers, who did the the soundtrack. Yeah. Um. That was so good. Yeah, he was amazing. But he he and I have already talked before. I did an interview with him um last year. So we're supposed to connect again. But he's been a busy guy because he's been on the road with uh. Yonzi from Sigur Rose, because I think they were doing a tour. But yeah, there's yeah. been a couple other people. Oh, how great. Yeah, the whole Honey Boy fam is, like, amazing. <laughs> like, super supportive, super... That's awesome. Super wonderful, and, 
Yeah. And I think I, I, I was like, Honey Boy should have gotten, well, Honey Boy should have gotten nominated for so much. For yeah, I was really I was, shocked. Well, I was very surprised. I was, oh my God, it was awful. But what I was going to say was uh, Alex Summers' score. I was like, that was fucking amazing. He's so, And it should have been so nominated good. for at least, at least in one of the award shows happening. It should have been nominated. Yeah. Um, but because that was like a whole other character, mm-hmm. a whole other leading character in the film. Like, and I know that's what usually, you know, maybe people who score movies, that's what they, they, they attain for. And I'm like, that was it. Mm-hmm. He, he did it, you know? Um, but yeah. How do you feel about, like, did you like just your perspective of like honey boy just being snubbed? Just like, I mean, I think, thoughts? like, did you think, I think that, a lot of times self-indulgent films are disregarded and that's really like the main negativity that I saw in response to it is that it was just like Shia's like like it was his like therapy you know and and someone like me like I just I just absolutely love that like a lot of the projects that I have made myself are always very self-referential and like I don't know I just like can't help them to be so the movie I I understood what it was before I even saw it and I was just like just so excited to experience it and then it was exactly what I thought it was going to be and like I don't I don't know how you can ignore like the catharsis of the film because like even yeah like first of all the movie is good like concerning cinematography sound mixing acting like it's phenomenal when it didn't even need to be in that regard but like you can see the like you can see it in shy you can see what he's going through you can see what he's getting out by doing this and that to me just makes it like like it's hard to judge art in the first place so to judge art like this is even more weird for me because it's like he did like look what he did you know like he he told his story and he obviously got that out also getting noah and lucas to just absolutely kill it which wasn't even necessary hmm. so i i was very shocked like yeah because that was the only thing that I saw that people were like, like shy is just being self-indulgent, you know, which like there's obviously a level of that to it, but it was also done really, really well. And I think there was, there was more than enough to be nominated for like more than enough. So I was just confused more than anything else. I know it's definitely amplified storytelling first for one, like to me, I'm like, Oh my God, it was just so like truly so like, real right and you can't deny um, it i mean it was orchestrated to an extent but i mean it was like it just you know it was real storytelling it was like real filmmaking and um yeah and i i, I mean i was reading about um you know the the academy for example and it's like 84 percent uh male members male voting members 64 mm-hmm. percent are white and uh and i just thought you know, there's there's a lot of people who are going to vote according to their sensibilities on what they what they think they'll like because I can guarantee you they're getting like all of these so many screeners mailed mm-hmm. to them right. or digital screeners you know sent to them and they they don't have time I would I would I would bet money on it that like hardly any of them actually watched every single movie that is up for a nomination right or that that, that could be potentially up for a nomination mm-hmm. and it's not fair but also too I, I i genuinely feel like if and and it is a reigning theme like the whole um like legit white male rage mm-hmm. like that chick melissa zias and you're from snl she made a whole song about it which is yeah. it 
it coined it perfectly what it was. But I mean, all these films that are getting these huge accolades are being voted by white male men predominantly. And they're about these white male men who are with, you know, filled with rage, right. anger, and violent outbursts. And they, it's, it's framed in a very dramatic and sort of beautiful way. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these films, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Irishman, um, The Joker, it's like, and they're gorgeous films, you know? Right. But you don't see, I mean, you don't see them voting for Honey Boy or what I thought, you know, um, A Beautiful Day, Day in the Neighborhood. Yeah. Those two films were so, so emotionally striking and just fucking stunning in every in every sense. But because they dealt with healing and and men healing themselves and trying to understand where their angst or rage or anger comes from and and processing it and coming out better without these violent, crazy outbursts of murder and mayhem. And if you really think about it, that's not going to play to the sensibilities of these people who are just like, no, Joker, 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 Irishman, yeah, let's shoot him up. It's like, that's a That's really? a really, really and interesting observation that you're making. I Well, I, I just feel like it's a little obvious. Like, I do feel like it's obvious. But also, too, I, I have been probably following it more more so than others yeah with like a biased opinion of course but like at the same time uh, i i just I, it's hard to ignore that and also too it's like you can apply that same thing for you know just the, i mean who was it was it the baftas that nominated all oh no it was, it was the oscars where all the lead actor nominees are all white i think uh-huh. maybe except for one um but it's very, it's very easy. Like those sort of things are still sort of blat- blatantly in our face. Um, so you can't really hide the statistics of no. like, who is voting for these films anymore. And it's kind of really apparent. Um, and one can even argue too, like Little Women should have been fucking nominated a hundred million percent. Best director, best film, like mm-hmm. best costume design, like all that shit should have, should have just been there. Um, but like it's, it's a female-led film, right? And one can even argue, oh, Honey Boy. Maybe, maybe the men who were voting for this stuff—it's like, oh, it's directed by a woman because those men in Hollywood still exist, right? And that's a real. They don't want to give. They don't want to give credit to people of color, to women. To they don't want to. They don't want to give us that fucking power yet. Well, it's fucking so, weird because I think it's. I think a lot of it, like, it's so hard to imagine somebody that's like actually actively hateful. And I think a lot of it is like they're like I can easily see them making excuses for themselves, you know, saying like, well, that's not why I'm not picking it when like, no, you have those deep rooted stereotypes. You have these deep rooted pieces of hatred in you that you just haven't even acknowledged yet. Like it's it's not so often I would feel that like there's a guy that's just like, fuck women, you know, like he's not going to come out and say that. It's just these very like microaggressions of just like, well, this one is better for this reason. And it's just, it's weird. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah, but it is, but it is like a real thing that, that a lot of people still have like not dealt with and mm-hmm. that's why it still exists. And it's just, it, it, it's, I don't know, but I, I mean, thank God women are coming into to power in filmmaking because I know. They're, they're, they're it's so wonderful. literally changing everything. And, and it's just, it is, it's just, it's so unfortunate that 
they're not giving credit to these these works of art that genuine genuinely deserve it. And I mean, and and like also too, like don't get me wrong, like okay, The Irishman, I fell asleep on. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I fell asleep on, but I finished it. <laughs> um, and I can see why people do love that film easily. Um, but like it was so long, I'm like, okay, I'm <laughs> never gonna want to watch it again. And uh, what was the other one? Joker. I actually really liked that movie, and I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought it would. Joaquin's one of my favorite actors. Like he's ever just since the best. Probably. Yeah, he's he's ever since I saw The Village, I thought, oh my god, I love mm-hmm. this man. Um, he's such a so good like, guy too. He's such a sweetheart. I, so I feel like he does deserve the uh, the accolades that he's getting. Um, but it's just the concept of what it is and what why I think certain people are so hell bent on these films, um, basically being up front and center. Like there's a bigger picture, and it's like, oh my god, yeah. like if 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 there was eighty four percent of the Academy were women, just, like, straight up, if 84% of the Academy was women, um, shit, Honey Boy would have been up there. It would have been different. Smart would have been up there. It would have been very like, different. Little women, little women would have fucking stolen the show. <laughs> and it's not because it's, like, female-led stuff, it's just because, like, they're a little bit more sensible to the fact, like, okay, let's pay attention to films that are good and that I mean these are affecting people you want to watch them again you want to watch them over and over sometimes and I don't know it's just it's just this this crazy that's um, why I I try to not even care like that's that's the only thing that I can even do is just be like well like who fucking cares what these old dudes like I used to take award shows like a lot more seriously and I don't think that there's no merit in them because it's amazing to be a part of something and be recognized on a grand scale like there's absolutely merit in that but also it's like like fuck the grammys fuck like oh my god <laughs> like mm-hmm. i it's just ridiculous how <laughs> like the old the the more that that occurs it's just like what are you guys even doing and yeah, and, and it, like i saw some whack whack shit that this guy was, they were talking to actual people on the board for voting and they were talking about uncut gems and i personally think that adam sandler was hella snubbed because his performance was amazing and that even fits into like the angry, like impulsive, g- grotesque male like trope. But the the reasoning for him not being nominated was that, and this is just one person, obviously. But he said like Adam Sandler just doesn't have the the like character. Like they're looking at his past movies. Like they were like he he hasn't had enough good performances. And, like, already I'm like, what? Like, why why are you basing this year's awards off of, like, Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison? Like, this performance yeah. was the shit. Like, this one. That's what it's about. So, like, they're already trying to... Yeah, they're already trying to find these, like, personalities to, like, hang on to. And that's why, like, Tyler, the creator, who just won his first Grammy, like, dude should have won a Grammy for Flower Boy, like, maybe even the album before that. But they need like a track record of this weird standard they hold people to it's it's just this really funky sort of gatekeeping that i'm not a fan of yeah it, it's it's such a weird that's definitely a whole nother world and that is regulated in ways that like we i don't even understand quite right. yet um but it's it's definitely not fair definitely not fair and how they're i mean this year above probably any other year 
prior kind of really has like shown a light on mm-hmm. on how they think or what they see or what they feel should be yeah you know considered worthy it's like you know they're not watching half of the movies that are you know potentially mm-hmm. being considered and it's just it's I, I forget I read somewhere where um there was an actress who made a suggestion that people would have to almost like sign in to a to a screening or somehow prove that they've seen this film in mm-hmm. order to to vote you know like like you have to basically see all the films in a certain category if you were to vote for that category right and and prove it and i'm like oh that should be that should that should be how it's done yeah i mean ideally um but i know trying to like accommodate people's busy schedules nowadays mm-hmm. they just like send you dvds and I have screeners that I don't watch and it's not because I don't want to watch it it's because it's like oh my god I have all these screeners and it's like you know and I'm not even it's like well I mean I'm able to vote for makeup but like I'm not a member of the academy I can't do anything else I don't vote for anything else and I just think like that that's like a huge responsibility that's like a huge honor mm-hmm. to be able to like vote for that and dictate what sort of films get to go on and you know cinematic history and basically propel all the careers of said people nominated yeah um that's like a big that's like a power that's a that's a, it is it's a power trip mm-hmm. so that's why it's unfortunate when you just see it continuously going to a certain a certain type of of, of person or not even a certain type it's just ignoring those that shouldn't be ignored you know yeah and i don't know it's i think I think it'll just it's just gonna have to be you know the filmmakers coming together and ignoring all of that and hiring the people that they want to elevate between themselves because that's you know if yeah. they're gonna be dismissed for any accolades like well might as well come together and right the movies are gonna be seen you know yeah so. yeah 100% so it's a weird it's a weird thing to like think about and um it's so it's such a bummer, and I'm like, oh, hi, boy. She's, I mean, Shia, he should have, he should have had it. He should have had best supporting actor, Alma. Oh my God, should have had best director, the, mm-hmm. the score. I mean, even production design. You know, I just, yeah. I don't know, but it's just, and and even little Noah. I mean, like he could have gotten supporting actor, which I think he did for for something. I think Spirit Awards or something. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just it's one of those films where where it's. The, the the sort of um, I guess the award in itself is like seeing how people have been reacting to it Yeah. and it's like one of those movies that people watch and they watch over and over again and it can it just affects them every time um, and that's like that's like why you make movies in the first place yeah it's therapeutic so, yeah like am I ever going to watch The Irishman again? no! no! <laughs> Like, no, I'm not. Um, so it's just like, I'm, I'm always a fan of those movies that I love watching over and over again, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just you got to make good movies for the sake of making a great fucking movie at this point. Yeah. And See what happens. Just, yeah. The awards just clearly don't reflect, like, what's being made. Nah. But, well, thanks for the chat. Thanks for it was really wonderful. Talk to you.
Yeah.